Welcome to Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please welcome this evening's moderator from tvguide.com, Adam Bryant. Thank you, Pablo. Thank you guys for all for being here. It's going to be a great night with Ben. Um, I've been fortunate enough to see the first three episodes of this season, and I will say that they are by far, I think, the best episodes the show has done so far. So we're going to show you a clip or so tonight from, from those episodes. But first, I'm going to keep it short and sweet and just get to a new trailer that they put out this week. So watch this trailer for Gotham, and then we'll get Ben out here to talk about it. those of you watching, what you are about to see is very graphic. I stab them several times, then I slit their throats. I knew you had a killer in you! Forty-eight hours ago, six criminally insane inmates were busted out of Arkham Asylum. Jerome Velasco, matricide. Arnold Zobkins, rapist. Aaron Helsinger, killed his family with his bare hands. Robert Greenwood, ate a dozen women. Richard Sionis, murdered 22 men. Barbara Keane, killed her parents. We still have no leads on the person behind the breakout. The world sees criminal lunatics. I see brilliance. I see charisma and power. This whole magic team, I gotta pass. Anyone else wanna leave? I've murdered a dozen women. What have you done? Chop up your mommy? Everybody has to start somewhere. <laughs> they want mass panic. They want headlines. Will to the right. Now that's a headline. Why do the boys get to have all the fun? Hello, Jim. How do I look? Let's go talk about this. It's too late for that. I spy with my little eye something yellow. I want you all to know this was a very difficult decision for us. I need to talk to Commissioner Essen right away. It's an emergency. Your legacy will be death madness. Ha ha. Nobody here getting out alive. I'm not sick. I'm free. <laughs> I'm sensing anger. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Bruce! You're all prisoners. Just tiny little cogs in a giant absurd machine. Wake up! How about that, guys? Uh, so obviously, you guys know Ben McKenzie. He plays Detective James Gordon, maybe the only, uh, one of the few uh, good cops who's willing to stand up against corruption in a city that's quickly descending into chaos. And as it looks, uh, the chaos might be winning. So let's see what he has to say about that. Please welcome Ben McKenzie to the stage. Welcome. Well, I want to get into a lot of this in season two, but let's let's start by going back to just the show itself, getting it off the ground. How how would you encapsulate 
what that first season was in terms of what you guys built to. Obviously, I think you really built ahead of steam at the end of last year that you're keeping going this year. So what was the journey like, both for you as the actor, but also for, for Jim Gordon, if you had to recap that first season? Yeah, um, well, it was a little hectic. Uh, we, um, you know, we're, we're trying to do something with the show that, um, and I'm, I'm trying to be sort of as specific about it as possible. We're, we're doing an origin story of a, of a very uh, well-known, uh, of very well-known characters. We're uh, portraying a rookie detective by the name of Jim Gordon, and everyone is familiar with Commissioner Gordon, um, just as everyone is familiar with Bruce Wayne as Batman, but they're not familiar as much with the 12-year-old version of, uh, of Bruce. Um, and so we are trying to do something a little bit different, which is, which is an origin story and is obviously a period piece of some sort, uh, a period of an alternate reality. Um, we're trying to do a crime story as well as a superhero story. So, it, you know, what we're trying to do is, is a little bit complicated. It's not just simply like, you know, there's a superhero and he's going to fight, you know, supervillains. Um, so that being said, uh, um, Jim's journey in the first season was from naive cop, uh, basically an ex-military man who comes back from the front lines to Gotham City a city that he doesn't really know that he left when he was a child and he comes back to 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 seek justice to um to impose justice if you will uh from his father who was a revered district attorney um he finds in gotham a city that has fallen apart that it's almost anarchic and he um struggles in that first season to figure out what his morality is um, what can he do to find good in a city that's completely bad? And the second season, we basically free him of his reins, and we basically decide that um, the Jim Gordon that has evolved over that first season will do whatever it takes within reason, <laughs> right, right. sort of, to get the results that he seeks. So we're, 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 we're finding a Gordon in season two that, that is willing to break break the law basically how how, how tough is it for him though obviously we saw in the premiere earlier this week you know he's kind of lost his trying to do the right thing he kind of lost everything he was busted down to being a uniform cop directing traffic is is that part of why maybe he's decided you know screw this let's yeah. go let's try it the different way and see yeah he that's exactly right i mean you only find your find your aspirations when you've sunk down to the lowest point you can what's what's interesting about it is the bond that forms between say jim and penguin penguin was obviously started at the bottom as well he was oswald cobblepot basically the 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 lackey the 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 the, the umbrella man to uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's Fish Mooney. And so there's a weird bond that forms and you start to hopefully, one of the, one of the things the series hopefully does is give you a sense of the scope of the city and how the heroes are actually intertwined with the villains. How their relationships run so deep that it's difficult at a certain point to discern who is the hero and who is the villain. Um, you know, we're having some fun with that, and and hopefully, uh, if we are so lucky to get you know future seasons, we'll be able to explore those those themes more fully. But um, but Jim starts at his lowest point in season two, and we know where he's going to get to eventually. But what is that journey? How does he get there? And what what deals with the devil does he cut? Right before we we get to some of those villains, we do know this season that Michael Chiklis is going to be guest starring yeah, as Chiklis. Captain Barnes. Yep. Um, he seems to at least 
from the descriptions of him, sort of share what Jim, that, that drive he had, that quest for justice that he had last year. How does that, how does that play off? How does, he, how does him coming in with those goals and Jim knowing that may not work, how, how do they bounce off each other sort of in that dynamic? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Chiklis comes in with, um, with the same ideals that Jim had at the beginning of the series. The irony is that, of course, Jim's ideals have, have fallen, have changed over the course of the series. So, you know, um, Jim finds himself in the, the unusual or, or um, uh, heretofore unexplore, unexplored uh, position of actually questioning his own boss's morals, of actually saying, look, black and white is great, but we live in the gray, and we have to do what we have to do in order to get things done. Um, it, 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 it will eventually create a situation where, where uh, my character and Michael's character are, are at odds. Um, it's, in, in one way, that season two is a bit of an arms race that's been, been created. The, the bad guys are arming up, so the good guys have to arm up on their side in order to combat them. But eventually, as in everything in Gotham, nothing works out well, and, and the good guys end up fighting amongst themselves. I don't want to get too far ahead of where we are airing-wise, but, but that's the idea. Chiklis comes in as a, as a true moral man, and Jim Gordon used to be that guy, but who is he now? Right, well, let's talk about what we just saw. It seems like things are gonna be only going to get worse in Gotham from here. It's the Gotham. maniacs are there. Yeah. You know, obviously, we know as the audience that these are villains that are more akin to the villains we're going to see that in a city that needs Batman to come and save it. There's still no Batman. It's right. just Gordon. Right. What does he think of this type of villain that the city is, city is breeding? He's gone from seeing just, you know, low-level stuff to these huge anarchic terrorists, sort yeah. of, as you see. What, what does he make of that, that sort of this city is breeding this sort of chaos, this evil? Well, I think, I think what the thing that we're chronicling in the series is the old guard, the, the Falcone and Moroni crime families having been dispatched. Those families, those crime families actually had an interest in business as usual. The, the, the ability for the city to operate in some sort of fashion so that they could c conduct business and take their little vig on it. Um, that was sort of built into the system. When they've been taken away, you have anarchy. And so Jim's position is basically the, like the rest of the GCPD, which is just, we're, they're befuddled, they're, they're, they're thrown off, they have no idea how to react. And the only thing that Jim can go to is this sort of compulsive, um, you know, uh, sort of uh, sense of justice in almost like a vengeful way, and almost like a, it's, in, it's more emotional than it is logical. And so when he tries to impose that, um, um, he gets met with some, some pretty sort of poor results. Um, uh, that's that's kind of where we are when we, when we sort of kick off season two. Right. Now, on a happier note, maybe somewhere for Jim to sort of find solace from all of this is his relationship with Lee Tompkins, which we right. saw at the end of last year. Uh, but again, that seems to be also being tested. She yeah. sort of maybe wants him to walk away from the police department. He wants to stay in. Um, how would you characterize how that relationship develops this year uh, between those two? Well, I think we're seeing a different relationship for him. I mean, the first season he was he was dating this sort of wealthy um, daughter of of a prominent Gotham family. He he was sort of approximating the role of an alpha male in in whatever world he he grew up in, where that was. Um, sort of what he thought he ought to do. 
and clearly Barbara couldn't handle it and she's spun out and she's joined in a sense the dark side as we've seen in the first episode um with Lee Tompkins he sees a kindred spirit he sees someone that he cares about someone that believes in justice and believes in the things that he believes in but what happens when when Jim himself starts lying to her when when he cannot even sort of summon the courage to be honest with her uh, and, and himself. And, and what does that do to their relationship? Uh, you know, again, it's Gotham. Right. Things don't end well. Well, speaking of that, I think we have a clip from okay. this week's episode, which might shed some more light on the Barbara element uh, right. in that relationship. So let's roll that clip and then we'll talk about it. Hi, Barbara. How are you? Oh, me? I'm fabulous. How are you? I'm good. What's new? <laughs> Mr. Cool Guy, huh? You must be so mad at me. Listen to me. If you turn yourself in, I can help you. Uh, how, Jim? By taking me back to Arkham? I don't think so. You're sick. <gasps> of course. Everything's always my fault. So typical. Listen to me. I know you, Barbara. I know you. You're a good, kind woman. This isn't you. <laughs> or you could always make me laugh. <laughs> How do I look? So, is there any part of Jim that remembers what the good times they had? Is, is, is whatever connection he might so have with her, is it about those feelings or is it more of a sense that he's trying to save her from herself or from this path that she seems to be on? No, it's not. It's, it's, it's a sense of guilt, actually, is what it is. I mean, in, in my... <laughs> I get to play the guy, so I guess I get to decide. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, he feels... He, look, she's gone to the, to the point where she's basically... Um, psychotic in a way I mean she's she's acting out these certain these fantasies that she has about their relationship about her role in that or about her role in in I guess Gotham in general um, and the thing that is just, the, the thing that she's able to prick in him is 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 that he fucked up sorry sorry to use the bad language he um, he uh, he couldn't protect her from what he entered her into, which is the world of Gotham. You know, she was in an ivory tower. She was this this uh, daughter of, of a, a privileged family, and he brought her into the gutter by introducing her to all the things that he deals with as a cop. And um, and so he feels that guilt, rightly or wrongly. Um, uh, but no, I, he, there's no part of him, in my opinion, that, you know, Oh, maybe maybe Barbara's misunderstood. Maybe she's actually a great person. No, no, he 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 understands on a fundamental level what happened. But there's a part of Jim, and that's sort of the part that that that, that I that I love about him, which is he's a hero. He's not an anti-hero. He's a full-on hero. He's burdened by the same things that good guys are burdened by, which is guilt, which is the sense that he he hurt her even by not wanting to hurt her. He just did it, and that's the Greek tragedy of Gotham, you know. Right. Does Lee see it that way, though? I mean, obviously, like you said, you don't want to get too far down the road, but is that part of the lies maybe he's telling her, or is that more about the decisions he's made with Penguin and other things this season? Uh, it's probably more about the other things, but it, but it, doesn't, it certainly reflects upon his relationship with Barbara as well. Right. 
tell me about Harvey. Obviously, you know, I, and we thought in the first episode he is he has given up and walked away. Uh, Gordon respects that decision, um, but you know, how 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 does that friendship or partnership you know sort of continue if he's going to stay behind that bar, or should we assume that he's probably not going to be there very long? His name's Detective Harvey Bullock. I, you know, <laughs> he doesn't become a bartender. Uh, 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 you know, but what's important about reestablishing that relationship is that 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 her, the the desire I think on Harvey's part to actually walk away, and and the understanding from Jim that that that's a valid emotional point of view to have, and that he wishes he could do that. You know what I mean? Like in the first episode, there's this bonding moment that happens between the two of them in the bar, and you know. Jim, me, whatever. I reach across the, 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 the sort of the, the bar from him and say, you know, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you did and I'm proud that you're able to get out. And that is Jim himself wishing that he could get out. And he can't. And you know he can't. And that's the sort of, the, again, the faded Greek tragedy of all of it. But, but, uh, but Harvey, you know, is probably going to come back, let's just say. And, um, and hopefully that will infuse their relationship with even more, more, more depth. I mean, look, you know, you don't have to give Donal Logue much. Like, Donal Logue can make, uh, can make about this much into a mile. So he's, um, he's just a pleasure to work with. I'm sure his check's in the mail to you now for, yes. for saying that. Yeah, so. Exactly. Obviously, you know, in this trailer, front and center is Cameron Monaghan as Jerome. He's just yeah. been brilliant. Yeah. I know you probably can't say much. I've tried to get it out of Bruno, the show's creator, Bruno Heller. What What is it about that character and the story that you guys are telling? Again, you're telling the origins of maybe these larger characters that are in this universe. What What is it about... Uh, what, what are you guys trying to do with your take on that character and sort of, again, starting a story that, you know, ultimately we know can't be told for many years to come still? Exactly. I mean, Cameron's take is, I, I, you know, look, we've, we've seen incredible performances by the Joker before, um, but his performance is, is, is terrific. It's also original, I believe. And what we're trying to get out of, of uh, that character in this scenario is the spirit of the Joker, the malevolence, the gleeful malevolence that manifests in the Joker that presages the the anarchy, utter, complete, gleeful anarchy of all of these villains. Like, if you believe that your true spirit is Besha unleashed by this sort of violence, this 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 utter, you know, bizarre violence, then what better form to have it in than than Jerome, um, you know, like you said, or sort of <laughs> worked around quite skillfully, um, the Joker is not the Joker per the the, the history of, of Batman, as far as I understand it, until Batman himself throws the acid on his face. But the spirit of the Joker is a profound thing and a profound uh, tragedy to be uh, imposed upon Gotham, and 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 Jerome is is that spirit. Right. Jerome's obviously seems to be the face of this group, but we also know that we met last week Theo Gallivan, who yes. maybe is the puppet master sort of behind the strings. What can you tell us about, uh, you know, in the broadest sense, maybe not to spoil too much, what, what you think his goals are, what his motivation behind sort of, again, unleashing these villains on the city? I can't tell you much, but um, for fans of the comics, deep fans of the comics who, who are really knowledgeable, uh, trust me, it will have a certain um, deep, deep resonance in in the history. I, you know, 
I can't tell you. <laughs> but does, does yeah, Jim, I, I think it'll pay off. Does Jim cross paths with him at some point in sort of in, in his investigation of this? Obviously, yeah. They, what, yeah. what are those scenes like? Or yeah. What can you tease oh, about? they're amazing. I mean, James Frain, who plays uh, uh, Theo Galvan, is an incredible British actor. And what we were trying to get across in his emergence on the scene is that there's a there's a force, a, a, a more sophisticated malevolent force that um, that that has a certain ability to to sort of harness the disparate elements in Gotham and 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 create a a, um, a snowball effect where um, where he can gain power in ways that that a lesser more less unsophisticated person a um, I'm trying to think of the sort of proper you know. Falcone, Maroney, they wouldn't have the audacity to actually try to be the pillar in Gotham and, and kill it from the inside. Theo Gallivan has no such problems. His ego is plenty big enough to where he's going to aspire for the, for, for, uh, for the greatest. And, um, and that will absolutely bring Jim and, and him to loggerheads. So let's, let's talk about another relationship with Jim on the show. In the first season, uh, his story was sort of spurred on by the Wayne murders and his relationship with Bruce, the promise he makes to Bruce yeah. that he's going to solve that murder. Obviously, it didn't quite work out for him. Um, are those characters, do they have, you know, do they cross paths this year or some? Or they, I know obviously Bruce is on his own sort of journey toward Batmanhood, perhaps. Um, how does Jim figure into that? Or how does Bruce figure into Jim's story this year? Or are they sort of on parallel paths? Uh, no, I mean, well, they're 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 parallel on some level, and they're clearly interconnected. And and I think one of the things that we, uh, Bruno Haller, created the show, and I, and Danny Cannon, who who directs uh, a lot of the episodes, is responsible for a lot of the sort of the visual storytelling in the in on the show. A lot of the conversations that we had is why the hell are we telling Jim Gordon's story? Why does anyone care? And one of the things that I th we all talked about is in our version of the story, there. Bruce Wayne does not become Batman unless Jim Gordon exists. Unless Jim Gordon is fundamentally involved in Bruce's transformation into Batman, in our version of events, that just doesn't happen. That's what we're that's what we're sort of pushing all in on. That's what we're betting our betting the house on. So, if 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 that's true, then what is it? And part of what that is is Jim Gordon failing. Part of what that is is yeah, as you've seen even in the first episode. In the first episode, Jim comes to Bruce and he says what do I do? They want me to make a deal with the devil. Penguin wants me to do something that I'm not comfortable with in order to get something that I want, which is my job back. And Bruce scolds him. Bruce says, isn't the greater good really what, what you're after? So whatever you have to do, you have to do it. And that's the future, you know, um, Dark Prince of Gotham telling the current <laughs> lieutenant to say, suck it up. Do what you have to do. And it's a very strange sort of juxtaposition of sort of the young kid telling the older guy, you know, what he has to do. But, it, but in our telling of this story, Jim Gordon is proto-Batman. Jim Gordon is, is what the city has before they have Batman. He's the best they can do. He's, unfortunately, he's a lawman. He has to, in some sense, obey the law. And so what we're seeing is, is him rising up the ranks of the GCPD and falling into the moral abyss that ultimately manifests in Batman. Right, and you, you mentioned obviously just now and before sort of that morality 
really took a nosedive in the first episode because yeah. he actually you know kills a man in the pursuit of this thing that penguins asked him to do what's the emotional consequence of that is he that's something he's going to wrestle with all season or all series presumably i mean how how much does that inciting incident play into jim's journey this season particularly well it certainly plays into it and i i, I wish i could say that that's the thing that's you know eating him up but he'll do worse right. so right in the clip it seems like uh, the GCPD itself is under attack. Maybe I yes. don't, maybe we're misreading. But, uh, <laughs> You're not. What's, uh, how significant is that? I mean, how, how, how much danger would you say is in this season? You know, are bodies going to be dropping left and right this year? I think you're uh, leading the witness. But yes, uh, bodies are, bodies are going to drop. Um, some reviewer, not you, said, you know, the only, the only person who... The, the, the series regulars seem to be somewhat safe, although not really. The, the extras, the background, everyone's going to die. There's a lot of death in this season. Um, uh, it's, uh, the truth of the matter is that the story that we want to tell is a story where, look, everyone, and the criticism we've gotten from, a, from very early on, and I understand it, is, you know, we know these people survive. So what are the stakes, right? What are the stakes? Like, we, we know that there's going to be a penguin, so we can't kill penguin. We know that there's a, a Bruce, so we can't kill Bruce. Okay, fine. Um, uh, there are these things called Greek tragedies that we've that we've told for since sort of the history of of, of drama, and um, we're aware that the fates come in and they say this will happen, this will happen. It's how you get there that's interesting, and the bad guys are not immune to bad things happening to them. The bad guys come into the good guy's house. Sorry, the good guys are not immune to the bad, bad things happening to them. The, good, the bad guys come into the good guy's house and they'll do whatever they want. Um, at the end of the day, it's Jim, it's Harvey, um, it's possibly Michael Chiklis' character who are really um, you know, holding the gates. Along those same lines, Jim obviously has that ambition. He has the drive. He wants to maybe climb toward the commissioner's chair. Yeah. Um, but he's seen the corruption that exists in that chair. He's seen the danger, obviously, that we're going to see this season uh, of the, you know, of of just being a cop in the city. Yeah. How does he balance that again with his sort of inner morality, but also just the the basics of wanting to stay alive? Does he does he think it's worth it ultimately to strive for those things when he's seen how much they've destroyed other people? It's a great question, and I think he's grappling with that. And and I think you know, as he seen, as he sees uh, uh, people above him suffer the consequences of that leadership position, it's a warning to him. It's a warning shot, and that's you know a little bit of what we're we're doing here is is um, you know again, if it's great tragedy, the the fates come and tell you, don't open that door, don't open that door. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad, and you open the door. You have to open the door. Going back to where we started this conversation, I think you've, you've described to me, actually, uh, a couple weeks ago, this season as a, as a reconception of the show. Uh, obviously, this season's being called The Rise of the Villains. It's telling sort of a, a more compact story. What has that done for you, know, you as an actor or the production itself to sort of have that train that you're getting on and, and riding through the season versus you know, maybe less of the procedural going off on different tangents, things like it, that? It's, it's freed us. It's, it's freed me. It's freed all of the actors to invest in the characters, play the characters as, as they see fit. I mean, the, the clip that you saw, and this is going to get really weird, weird and technical, but like the clip that you saw was basically one interrupted take with with a cut to her, a close up, and a, and a cut back to me. That even that in and of itself, without this sort of MTV style cutting thing that 
we would get into with our procedural storytelling, even that is is a is a is a feat for us. We are trying to really invest in the characters and and not do this crime of the week stuff that we did a little bit the first season, which I think was a mistake. Right. What else can you sort of tease for the fans in the audience about maybe some new characters, some new villains, some other sure. people we're going to see this season? I know some of it's been reported, but what uh, what can you say about what's to come beyond you know some of these early episodes this season? Well, we already know the Penguin. We he's the King of Gotham, but we we know that uh, Nigma will become, if not fully the Riddler, pretty darn close. He's going to be um, unleashed. Um, which I think is a real treat um, for fans because Corey Michael Smith's portrayal of, of Nigma Riddler is, is pretty amazing. Um, we're going to see Jerome, obviously. We're going to see uh, Mr. Freeze. We're going to see uh, Firefly. Uh, we're going to see... Uh, I mean, it's it's it really runs the gamut. Theo Gallivan... Well, I can't really spoil it. But he may, uh, who, who he may or may not become a very iconic villain from the mythology uh uh we have people and then we have people like eduardo flamingo who come in um i'm sure everyone's familiar with eduardo flamingo anyway no uh we we get into some fun villains too but the, the point is that they don't come on for one episode and are dispatched they they exist for a little while uh, more than a little while in many cases and they they're the cesspool that's created around them infests the rest of Gotham and, and infests Jim's soul as well. Right. So I think we're, are we ready to go to fan Q&A? We're going to take some questions. I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing from me. Uh, they're going to bring some microphones around again. Please uh, ask your questions for Ben about the show and, and his experience making it in this season. And uh, How you doing, Ben? Um, with the next season, um, the first season was kind of obscure on exactly where the time period of Gotham was. Um, the second season, like in the clip, we see cell phones kind of like put into the, the storyline. Um, my question is, how do you prepare yourself to live in a society or to, to, to act in a society like Gotham with, you know, the modernized living lifestyle that we have now? We have cell phones, we have iPads, we have watches, we have all these things. How do you kind of take yourself and put yourself in a setting to be Jim in Gotham with this time period that's, that's really obscure? That's a really good question. Um, you know, the, the way that we always talked about this, and, and I talked about this with, with Bruno Heller, who created the show, and Danny Cannon, who created the look of the show, and so was responsible for a lot of these like more tactical questions of like, what phones do they have? What cars do they drive? What clothes do they wear? Um, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I hope you understand that this is like a sincere form of answering the question. It's, it's a mind state. It's a... Um, um, it sounds like I'm like dropping acid or something, but it's like uh, it's it's a the way Bruno described it, which I thought was sort of genius, is um, it's the nightmares of a of an old man, or it's the dreams of an old man and the nightmares of a child. It's the dream state that we live in, where things don't have to. It's it's not it's not 1971. It's not 1956. It's 1984. It is a mishmash of all of these different things, and it's an alternate reality that exists in the world of Batman and Gotham, and Gotham, which is New York, except it's not quite New York, you know? Um, and, and so in terms of getting to your question, in terms of how I act in that, how we all act in that, 
what we try to do, or what I try to do, I can't ask for the rest of the cast, what I try to do is, um, is, is embrace the otherness of it. And, and there's a certain thing in Jim that's like, he's a little bit uh, like a gunslinger. He's a little bit like, uh, like Clint Eastwood walking to a bar and ordering a, a, a beer, uh, ordering a shot with a beer back. Like he's, he's gonna just face down the bad guys and, and do what he has to do. And so it's heightened and it's old school, but it's, it's not specific to a specific you know, year. It doesn't have a, I don't have a, I've been asked that a lot and, and I, I don't know how better to answer it other than it is a, a, a state of mind rather than is a, a year in history. Uh, hi, Ben, big hey. fan. No, thanks. Um, so we've seen versions of Commissioner Gordon. Um, you being able to play a rookie, uh, Jim Gordon, does that give you and also the writers and everybody involved in Gotham more creative leeway in how you want to portray this character instead of not always just relying on versions we've seen in a variety of versions of like TV shows or comic books? Yes, it, it, good question. Yes, it does. I mean, one of the things that, um, that dawned upon me a little while after I got the part was I, I so I um, I got the part I uh, asked Jeff Johns at DC who runs DC to send me literature so I would understand sort of the history of what I was trying to portray on screen in terms of Jim Gordon in the comics and um, he sent me a bunch of stuff year one Gotham Central um, Long Halloween etc and I read all of it I took him to lunch and I said okay seriously though what do I need to what how do I do this and he and he said you got to do it. Like we, we've never seen Jim Gordon as a rookie detective, and what we've seen, we're sort of contradicting because, like, there are certain versions where he's a disgraced Chicago cop coming to Gotham. The point is, over seventy-five years of Batman, these stories have been told and retold and and retold and and reinterpreted by countless artists, whether they're actors, directors, cinematographers, what have you, and and the the onus is on you to do what you do as a creative individual you have to provide your whatever your take is on it and he's like we cast you for a reason we think you're whatever rookie jim gordon is we think you're it and i was like great no pressure no problem whatsoever <laughs> it couldn't possibly mess this up no one will ever get mad at me and 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 then it became a series of conversations with the people with all of us who are making it you know which which continue by the way and we'll continue for as long as we have the pleasure of making this show, you know, I can't tell you how many conversations Bruno, Danny, uh, uh, the rest of the cast, we all have with each other on a daily, you know, hourly basis about, okay, well, wait a minute. What's the motivation for this character in this specific situation? And, we, and, and by the way, that's by the time we get to set. Before we get to set, it's, it's every... It's every scene, it's every, it's every storyline we're telling. Look, we really take this ser stuff seriously. But, the, but the, the answer to your question is you have to do what you think is right. And the spirit of Jim Gordon is a guy who's trying to do right in a city that's all bad. That's it. He's trying to do what's right and he's failing often. And he's failing for the right reasons and he's, he's, he's struggling but he's just a hero. He's an old fashioned hero in a, in a dark, dark world. And, um, and that's what I took into it. And, and, and that's what we run with, you know, to this day. Thanks. My first question is, uh, are you going to ever rock the classic, uh, mustache? 
yeah. I know where you were going before you got <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. And then the second question is, um, you know, part of the mythos of uh, Commissioner is his daughter, um, Barbara Gordon, right. and with Barbara Sr. off her rocker, it doesn't seem like you guys will have kids anytime soon. Is that still a possibility? What's going on with that? It's funny you should mention that. I was just talking to Bruno the other day about that. Uh, we, uh, we're working on that part. We're working on that part. Yeah. Um, in terms of the mustache, I got to earn that mustache. It's not a great look on me right now. <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, yeah, there's a lot of aesthetics involved. In terms of, um, you know, Barbara, Barbara Gordon, um, you know, which is obviously an, an important part of the mythology, we're, we're trying to figure that out. Um, um, you know, we're trying to figure out how to make it our own and also pay respect to the truth, to, to, the, to the storied history of all of these characters. And, and it's honestly, it's a dance we walk with every single character in the storyline. It's, 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 it's tricky and honestly it falls on the writers more than it falls on anyone else. But, um, but we're working on it. I mean, at the end of the day, what I think is interesting is watching two generations in Gotham, right? Like my generation or, or the adults and then the children or the younger people, you know, Bruce, Selena, uh, Poison Ivy, um, you know, et cetera, who, who are, of course, not to get all uh, kumbaya about it, are the future. And if you, if you screw them up too badly, then clearly the future is bad. Um, so if Barbara, Jim's daughter, is... Um, is his daughter by way of a psychopath? Not great. Uh, we're working on it. That's, that's the best answer I can give you right now. So my question is, is you're obviously well read, you've seen the movies, the, the TV show, you've read the comics. Do you ever lighten up that history with watching any spoofs? Uh, yeah, I, I watched a spoof before I got that. I think somebody did an OC. Uh, <laughs> Did an OC, like, Ryan Atwood as Jim Gordon spoof, like, way early. Like, before we'd even aired the pilot or some crazy stuff. And I was like, oh, that's funny. That's good. Like, that's really good. I, don't, I can't remember if they gave him a mustache or not. But, yeah, no, I mean, we look, you know, we take it seriously because this is our job and we're worried about screwing up. But, of course, we try to inject humor in it. And I think this season has, it's dark humor. But I think we have as much humor as we've ever had, if not more. Yeah. We're just trying to avoid like total complete camp. We're trying to avoid complete camp and go into earned humor or something. Are we going to see more of Harvey Dent? Ah, the thing that we're running into with Harvey is that Harvey, again, this is my understanding. You guys, I, many of you are going to know much more than I do, but my understanding is he can't really become two-faced until much later in the story. And so therefore... <laughs> the dent that we're seeing is dent before the change. So we're seeing a dent that is, well, look, as we meet him in the first scene, he's very idealistic and he's, he's, a, he's a comrade of, of Jim. Does he become more morally complex in the second and future seasons? Yeah, probably. But he can't become Two-Face, per se, because that's, that's down the line. Hi. Um, I know you talked about, and we saw in the scene earlier, about um, Barbara, how she's kind of over to the dark side now. Um, is there any possibility of maybe Lee, where you're going to see a bad side of her, or maybe she's going to go over to the dark side, maybe? Does Jim turn them all evil, basically? <laughs> exactly. Yes, he just messes up every single woman that he's involved with. Uh, 
it's possible. It's absolutely possible. Um, you know, I think the thing that we're toying with in, in the whole sort of conception of Gotham is that um, good and bad aren't actually that far away. That people, you know, hopefully by the end of, you know, season one or season two, you, people will be, people are sympathetic, I would think, now to, to Penguin, to, to Robin Lord Taylor's portrayal as Penguin. And you, you start to understand that, like, he was the kid who was picked upon in, in, in the schoolyard. You know, he's bullied. And so now when he begets that power, you actually kind of root for him in a way, maybe, or at least partially. And, and, and so we'll, we'll toy with that. Um, in terms of Dr. Tompkins becoming evil, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Hello, Mr. McKenzie. First of all, thank you very much for your time. And all happy families are alike. We learned that there might have been a relationship, a friendship between James Gordon's father and Falcon. Therefore, is it possible that maybe James Gordon's father was not an honest man? Because based on the series, it seems that Gordon actually honors his father a lot. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that question. And I like your outfit, too. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, the first question is, um, is, is very good. We, we learn at the end of, of season one that Jim's understanding of his father is maybe not um, correct, that he may have, in a sense, um, idealized his father in a way that, that isn't actually accurate and that his father's ties to organized crime may be deeper than he was aware. Um, and that's purposeful. We we believe that um, that that will help uh, deepen the character and and help um, um, change Jim's understanding as to to what is actually his role as a law enforcement officer. He he may understand that being friends with the quote unquote bad guys isn't always a bad thing. And you see it in even in episode one when he makes a deal with Penguin that he's he's evolved in his understanding, quote unquote evolved in his understanding. It's a very politician statement. Um, you know, the things that we that we want to concentrate on in terms of who he is in the context of Gotham is is what does he want to do? How does he get it? How is he thwarted by the forces around him? And how does he overcome those those obstacles? Um, but you know, we'll, we'll, we're open to exploring his backstory um, in the right circumstances for sure. Hi, um, I was wondering about how in the end of season one. I know that Sal Maroney is the one who ends up disfiguring Harvey Dent, and I was wondering how now that he's out of the picture, how you're gonna do that. And I um, just had one more question. I know that season two is gonna be like Rise of the Villains, and I hear saying you're expanding from you know Case of the Week to Rise of the Villains. Are you also gonna be doing like Rise of the Heroes, you know, because of the whole universe with Bruce Wayne slowly discovering like his father's, you know, his secrets and everything, and how he's gonna end up eventually becoming Batman. I'm just wondering how you're gonna expand on that too. Great questions. Uh, you've just figured out our tagline for season three, Rise of the Heroes. Well done. Congratulations. Uh, I'm just going to send a quick text message, email. I, I just tweeted uh, um, You know, you make a good point about Sal Maroney. I mean, uh, you know, maybe there's a Sal Maroney Jr. I don't know. Uh, um, you know, we, we, we are 
the the rise of the villains is is a way is a shorthand the second season of of understanding the sort of old Gotham versus new Gotham and old Gotham is the crime families and new Gotham is the super villains. As we move forward, things only become more anarchic, and so because obviously, obviously the whole thing has to be somewhat of a downward slope into anarchy. Otherwise, why do you need Batman? But it's a long slope <laughs> because you know we gotta you know Bruce is still twelve or thirteen or fourteen or whatever in our in our telling of the story. So it's going to take a little uh, time. Um, Rise of the of of the heroes, superheroes is definitely a um, uh, is definitely an offshoot of sort of what we're telling this season. Um, they haven't, I don't think we've decided season three and season four in the most structured way in terms of giving you like a tagline or a, uh, um, an overall um, feel for it. But the, the notion is that as, once the ball starts rolling, once the anarchy uh, begins, you can't undo it. You can't stop it, and you can't even slow it down. It only becomes, you know, once the ball rolls downhill, it only gathers, uh, rolling stone only gathers moss. Like, it just keeps going and going and going. And I, I think, um, gathers no moss. Uh, it, it just keeps going and going and going. So I, I think that's sort of what we're going to tell. I don't know how that's going to manifest in the, the, the marketing of it or whatever, but that's, that's where we're headed. Well, speaking of marketing, you probably already know this, but Gotham airs Monday nights at 8 o'clock on Fox. Thank you, Ben, for being here. Thank you guys all for being Thanks, here. And as Jerome said in the clip, you haven't seen anything yet, so please stay tuned. It's a great season so far. Thanks, Thanks Ben.